Hello and welcome to Ernie Ball's Striking a Chord podcast. I'm Evan Ball. Today I speak with the band Honey, H-U-N-N-Y, just to be clear. We have both guitarist Jake Goldstein and bassist Kevin Grimmett on the show. A great conversation. We talk about the band's history and the success of their local scene coming up with bands such as The Neighborhood and Bad Sons. We nerd out on The Cure more than once. Other topics include signing with Epitaph Records, building an audience, predictions of future musical trends, and more. Jake's audio cuts out a bit in the beginning, but we get it sorted out. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Grimmett and Jake Goldstein of Honey. Jake and Kevin, welcome to the podcast. What's up? Thanks for having us. Yes, of course. All right, where did you guys grow up? Goldie, you here? You go first. Um, basically, I grew up kind of all over until high school, then a little town called Newbury Park, California. It's like halfway between Los Angeles and Ventura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of, I grew up in the valley, kind of in Woodland Hills area. Yeah. Okay. And that's also for non-California listeners, sort of like Northwestern LA. Yeah. It's like a suburb. It's kind of it's still encompassed under LA, but it's like, it's totally not the same. You know, it's a full different vibe, but yeah, encompassed under the same umbrella. Yeah, we had Kid Bloom on the podcast, and he actually mentioned you guys in Bad Sons and and some other bands from your neck of the woods. So, sounds like you guys kind of had a nice little scene going there. Yeah, it wasn't really like um, I went to like middle school with Bad Sons, so it was like Goldie had his scene out in Newberry, and we had ours kind of in the Valley area, and we ended up kind of intermingling at one point. Essentially, like right when I got out of high school, a few friends of mine got a house together in like Woodland Hills. So we kind of like bridged the gap between like super out there suburbs where we all kind of had this like self-contained scene during my high school years. And then the Bad Sons dudes and Kev and like a few other people who had grown up more on like the valley side of things. And it was kind of a little hub where everybody would like hang out and make music and just like generally be creative together so this is during high school still right when we left high school so i, I mean, was I, like, I, I was still in high school yeah i, think I was, was a little maybe, younger yeah i think i was 15 or 16 so they were all 18 i was 15 okay are the bands as they exist now already like is it bad sons is it honey or not yeah just a lot of common members and sort of early incarnations of these bands yeah it was kind of like we had a lot of shared members or we just have like one-off shows where groups that would end up being in these bands would like play a genre that we wouldn't normally play. Like Kev played in a, uh, a show with the shoegaze band that I had at the time that also uh, was with Gavin from bad sons and from like a few of our other friends, it was just kind of a mishmash of all of us trying things and, and kind of experimenting and forming these bands that now exist. And like Jason and, Joey were kind of, I guess they played in like the first like reincarnation of uh, the neighborhood. Yeah, just stuff like that. We all kind of, yeah, joined each other's bands for a little bit. Were all the neighborhood guys around your age too? Are, are you at some of the same high schools? I went to the same high school as Ray from Bad Sons and Jesse from the neighborhood. And then Kev went to, I'm like, no, you didn't even go to the same high school as Chris. You guys just went to middle school together, right, Kev? Right, yeah. Are you guys able to play in bars or, or parties or does, does the scene you're in revolve around a certain kind of gig or venue? Oh yeah. I mean, 
they revolved around like garages. We'd play in garages or this venue in the valley called the Cobalt. It's not there anymore, but it like it was like the grimiest, like hard you'd have they have hardcore shows in there, punk shows. Yeah. I mean, I remember playing with Jason's for uh one of his first bands, Buffalo. No, no. It was a Buffalo Blackfoot show with Goldstein's band. I was playing in the shoegaze band and I was maybe 16, 17. So I had to like wait outside uh, until the set happened and then, you know, walked on stage and played. Or that was just a venue that was like 18 up technically. It was like a glorified garage basically. But we played mostly just like anywhere they would have us. There was like random houses out by us because there's a bit more space so you can kind of like do backyard shows and and garage shows and things like that ray used to have shows in his garage and we called that the hot chocolate there were like some cool bands that would tour through even like punk and hardcore bands that were touring that would stop and play at this random garage in the suburbs so wow that's crazy yeah go ahead i think like yeah i think joyce manor even played a show in ray's garage at one point show for sure (laughs) yeah so are, are police a factor at all in, in these garage shows? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, occasionally. Generally speaking, we had like an understanding with the neighbors at Ray's, but there were definitely shows we played that got shut down by, by the cops for sure. There was a show I remember in high school that I was just playing in like a random formative band with whoever um, from around that but before the headliner came on the cops showed up and we basically just caravaned the entire show to like another empty garage that was maybe like you know two miles away or whatever the entire with friendlier neighbors yeah with friendlier neighbors there was like maybe 50 kids in various cars and we just packed it up and then moved to another cul-de-sac and did it there (laughs) yeah do you know that reminds me i don't know if you guys have have ever been to isla vista near santa barbara yeah we've we've been around there yeah Uh, okay there every now and then you know, in the olden days when my band would play there, you know, one one party would get busted and you just move down like, you know, across the street or something. There's always, sure, you set up in our in our garage, whatever. Yeah, I've definitely, I've like street crawled there and like gone to backyard shows. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think our friends, a friend of mine's older brother like lived there. So even Santa Barbara is not that far a shot from Newbury Park. It's like right. Newbury is just near, you know, Camarillo. So we'd you know, road trip up there to stay with our friend's older brother and definitely saw like reggae bands and, and that sort of thing up there quite yeah. a few times. Yeah. And we're in San Luis Obispo. So that's like the quickest getaway outside of San Luis. Uh, do you remember a first friend's band to blow up or get a big boost? Uh, definitely. I think the neighborhood boys were the first ones out of that like community that um, really took off because they had received attention like super quickly. They put a video out and it kind of like went viral I think they were probably the first ones to really have a go. And did that happen pretty organically or did they have uh, like a label push behind them or? I I think it was super organic. It was during the time of like Tumblr and when Tumblr could blow up a band in like two seconds. It's not really a thing anymore. But yeah, it was was super organic. Yeah. I feel like their aesthetic really matched with all that. They were doing like black and white and stuff and it, it really took off. They had, I mean, they're really smart though. They had a whole thing going where like they didn't reveal their faces for a while. And we got to play their first show with them. And there was already hype building around it because everyone's like, who is this band? So what was that? Rock city studios. Goldie? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. What were some of your big breaks? Like, like were there certain breakthroughs, connections, events along the way where you felt you kind of stepped up a level? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, 
for us, it always feels like shows are the big breakthrough. Like we started playing shows around LA and we're fortunate enough to tour pretty early on with the neighborhood and bad sons. And when we started playing shows at home, we were kind of playing like clubs and, you know, um, a lot of like free shows or places like the bootleg in Los Angeles, let us have like a residency. And I remember that residency was really like at the start of it, it was maybe like half full. And then the last couple shows were selling out. And that was like a really big breakthrough for us. I felt. So what does a residency entail? How often are you guys playing? I think it was every week for a month. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was like every Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And then towards the end of it, it was like, yeah, it was like sold out and we were like, what's going on? Yeah. So are these all ages shows? That one I think was actually 21 and up, which was a surprise to us because generally speaking, we do much better in an all ages setting, but I think just because we had a reputation for like a fun live show and we do themes and like project videos based on the theme over us. And like, I feel like it was just a really kind of, it was us finding our element, which I feel like the live shows for us always feel really great, but people kind of felt that reciprocity like in the room and it just built hype from there. Yeah. That's cool. Anything stand out is coming next. I mean, yeah, it's all the LA headline shows like Troubadour show after that was really fun. Same thing. We did like a balloon drop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been kind of like every bigger headlining show feels like a step. I think that's just kind of natural though. Well, it sounds like you guys have been fairly thoughtful early on in your live shows. If if we got a balloon drop and we have the, the projector. Yeah. We just think it's fun to like make it an event. I feel like a lot of the times it's taken for granted that like a band is just a band and like we grew up playing in punk and hardcore bands and stuff too. And like, that's definitely like letting a band just be a band is really cool. But I think an added element of like, let's make this a crazy occasion and a cause for celebration just adds to the overall memorability of the night. For sure. Right. It, it also, it involved us. Like we were never really signed. We were fully like DIY trying to make alternative rock music without a label or like any kind of push. So anytime we would sell out a venue, we were like mind blown because like it was super organic. Uh, besides of like the platform that the neighborhood and Bad Sons brought us, a lot of you know the people showing up were like true fans of whatever EP we put out or whatever we were making. Yeah, well, one gauge of of the traction you're getting is to look at streams. You know how many people are listening to you. It's a nice visible marker. Do streams seem to result directly from playing live or does the music spread by some other means online? Yeah, I don't know. Like if you look at our like monthly streams on Spotify, it's like we were breaching. We're like over a million right now. And when we put out these, it's songs that were released maybe two, three years ago are like our highest streamed ones. But when we put it out, we put it out to like a small base and we didn't even know if it like was going to work. So like over time, it's kind of shown Yeah, it was never, we never really gauged the streaming until like recently during like pandemic, we're looking at it going like, oh shit, like, I don't know if I can curse on here, but I was like, um, oh man, like we're over uh, a million monthly, it's kind of crazy. So yeah. That's interesting. So, so the pandemic, you've had a a big boost actually in listenership. Yeah, it it started off a big boost and then it kind of came down during the middle and now it's going back up over a million without any released music. So it's like, in the last what year we haven't put out an album. So it's like we have a couple tracks ready to go out. And I mean, hopefully it goes up from there. Yeah, good. So you're recording. You have some new stuff you're gonna put out? Yeah, the the plan is to put a few songs out in succession and um 
we've just been, that's been the majority of like pandemic life is I, you saw on before the conversation on Kevin's little video screen, he has a full um, studio set up at his house. So we um, we've been over there just trying to be as productive as possible and enjoying like self-producing and working together to come up with some cool stuff with constraints. That's great. So are you guys still in LA or the Valley somewhere in there? Yeah. 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 Goldie lives in the Valley now. I'm still in the Valley. Um, Joey's in the Valley. Jason lives in La Brea, right? Yeah. Like mid city. So when does Epitaph Records come up? That was what, 2018. 2018. We had like finished an EP and we were like, almost down and out. We were like, like, what do we do from here? Cause we had to like self do an EP with like my dad's friend. And we were just <laughs> like, what do we do? So we didn't really have any push from anywhere. And like, we're just like, all right, we'll put out an EP and then like, like let's see what happens. It. We'll like yeah. tour it. But you know, if nothing comes along, we don't really know what's going to happen because we can only like self fund recording, releasing and touring for so long, you know? Sure. So yeah, we, yeah, we got a call from Brett or like just yeah, randomly something. Brett had had a, had three separate conversations in a week of people telling him he should check out our band. And you were talking about Brett, the, the founder of Epitaph, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Brett, yeah. Gerwitz. yeah. Brett Gerwitz, um, who is just an incredible human being, but he uh, reached out to us and was like, Hey, we should probably sit down and talk. I've had three separate people tell me to check out your band wow. in the last week. And I took a listen and I really like what you guys are doing. So maybe come in and have a chat. That's amazing. So do you know who, who uh, turned them on to you guys? There were a few people at the label and I guess just like a mutual yeah. friend. Our, our buddy Reed. It was our buddy oh, yeah, Reed. It was Reed. Yeah, because Reed. Epitaph was looking into a band on his little label called uh, Danger Collective and they were already signed. So uh, Brett reached out and he was like, oh, they're already signed, but you should check out this other band, Honey. And then, yeah, Brett was like, all right, I'll check it out. Yeah, it was in addition to Reed, I guess, like a, uh, also Chris at the label and um, a few other people that we actually have like mutual friends that work at the label <laughs> that passed it up the ladder. And Reed was the final straw of like, okay, I really got to check this out. And then we went and met with them and it was a pretty, pretty quick connection. And we kind of immediately felt like, oh, these people actually care because you can meet with people on the label side of things who are more like industry oriented, which is like, you know, it works for some people, but you can tell that there's like a real passion and love for the music that Epitaph puts out. They really care about their artists. And it was pretty evident right away that, that we were going to get along with them. It's cool to be on a label with that kind of early underground history. I mean, I, I just think back, like I think of no effects and bad religion and vandals, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the Offspring, Alkaline. It's like a, a bunch of really cool bands we grew up listening to. And it was like, what was odd is that we make music that doesn't really fit their uh, aesthetic, I would say. So it was kind of cool in that sense, too, that we were just like, all right, like maybe we'll, brand, we'll be a little branch off for them. You know, yeah. so it's interesting too because the history of that label, like Brett is from Woodland Hills, West Hills area. So, like, we have a mutual pedigree and just based on location and like where we grew up. So he totally understood like the landmarks and the references and the things that kind of informed what we were doing without necessarily having the end result be shared aesthetically, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool seeing how the label has evolved too. 
you know, back in my day, I, I just yeah. think of it as like, you know, pretty straightforward, these punk bands, you know, and they've uh, really sort of brought in a, a lot of cool bands go, moving forward and ha- had this uh, longevity, which is great. Right. It's really eclectic. I mean, I don't know if their core fan base is like stoked on it per se, you know, they'll, they'll post a video of us and like their dudes like what happened, you know, like, <laughs> but like they also have the punk bands. So it's, yeah. It's a good, I think it's good for them to kind of, you know, they're casting a wide net, seeing what works in different areas, but you know, their core fan base of like punk guys are like, they'll get heated at some of the stuff we put out. <laughs> well, I'm sure you all have individual influences growing up. Which bands or genres do you think have most influenced or inspired Honey directly? I feel like it would be like dishonest for us to completely not comment on the cure as just being like collectively our favorite band ever oh i like that one of my favorites too yeah yeah so it was kind of i think our early ones were like the cure and like the killers and kind of that like early 2000s Mm -hmm. um like new wave and then we kind of branched into a little more like punkish of like a little more pop punkish like like i mean to blink and stuff like that we kind of like were listening all these bands that i feel like on Blink self-titled they like they had Robert Smith sing on a song and like they were kind of bridging on this weird cure like pop punk thing so we like we love this whole kind of cure influence yeah since you mentioned the cure I got to dig a little deeper what any albums that stand out for you guys uh disintegration is bomb head on the door is amazing I mean head on the door is uh, I mean I don't know I don't know which one's my favorite wish fan I love wish yeah so good yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I think disintegration comes top of mind for me. I know it's it's maybe their biggest, probably is their biggest, but it's just so it's incredible big and dramatic and like uh, unapologetically dramatic. It's really cool to listen to the demo recordings that came out with like the remaster and stuff of Robert just like writing those songs with the drum machine at home too. Yeah, because there are such strong like songwriting elements. The production always gets the shine on that record i feel because it is incredible but it's cool to hear those songs in a place where they're not quite polished yet and the songs are still amazing yeah well i think pictures of you is on there instrumentally and it holds up without vocals it's just i mean the lyrics are already sparse in the normal version i think it's just a testament to how strong the songwriting is and they just tapped into something where it's just you're sort of at ease just with these long songs and he'll just come in you know after two minutes and and uh it feels bold to me Oh, it's yeah. super bold. Yeah. I mean, and, like even I mean, even Lullaby on that album, who's like he's singing yeah. with like the whisper, Spider-Man. Yeah. All that kind of it's like you're like, it's crazy. It's yeah. super different from everything. And every song is bomb. And I say it's a dark album. It also has one of their poppiest songs. I mean, love songs on there too. Yeah. It's really funny. I feel like no one talks about how that band is a is fully a riff band. Like all of those songs, the the reason those two-minute intros work is just because the riffs are so good. You would never like really categorize them as a band that's known for riffs, I guess. But yeah, throughout their catalog, it's just incredible riffs over and over again. And they're so patient with it, just sort of adding layers in. You're not rushing to get anywhere. You're just you're already there. Yeah, they freaking they're they're using like the bass six, which is like in between the guitar and the bass, and like they're able to layer so many guitars and a bunch of chorus pedals. Yeah, great band. Cool. All right. Uh, any other bands you guys want to throw in there? I heard the Killers. I could I could hear that. Great I mean, band. yeah, all of that because that's kind of when we were coming of age, learning how to play music. I feel like all those like early two thousands kind of like revival bands, like the Strokes, were huge for us. Yeah, and Phoenix and and bands like I feel like they really inspired me to use a lot of like 
high chord inversions and really like layer things in an interesting way. I mean, for me personally, like Johnny Marr, I think is like the sickest guitar player ever. Johnny Marr and John Squire of like the Stone Roses are incredible. This is great. We like the same stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> going to, we just got to go to the UK for the first time um, right before the pandemic. And going to Manchester, we were so excited that we had a great show because like ton of bands that we love are from there. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that the show was good, we were like so happy that we were embraced by that. Even if it's not the same community at all, it just felt right. I don't know. It felt like a landmark. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What does the honey songwriting process look like typically? It's kind of varied from release to release. Um, we used to write a lot more in the room together, but now it kind of starts with a spark, uh, either from like Kevin or Jason or myself or we'll bring like an idea for a song to the table and then we kind of hash it out in a room together, but it's been at Kevin's house with like a logic session going. And we just kind of like really pick the songs apart lyrically and melodically first. And then we say, we just go off on production, like just add things and then kind of edit from there. So you're kind of writing as you record. So you get, it's instant feedback basically, right? That's yeah, been the pretty process much. for this release. Yeah. 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 Just like plugging in, going, oh, that sucks. That's good. Okay. Cut that. Or like, we'll usually come in with like the form, the skeleton of the song has been hashed out on an acoustic guitar. So we can kind of mm. go in and then edit from there. So we use like uh, software drums and even bass maybe to, to get it down there. Yeah. Pretty much like software drums to start. And then once we get the entire skeleton of the song, we'll go to like our little lockout and have our drummer do a drum part to it and mix it in with the electronic drums and kind of get a nice blend between all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the bones of the song are sort of there from an acoustic guitar, right? So you have chords, melody. Yeah. We usually start with like, we'll have like a verse or we'll have like a verse melody or like a chorus, like this chorus is good. All right, cool. Now we have to write the entire song around it. So it'll start off with ideas. Like one of our songs televised, like Goldie had that like awesome guitar part. So we're like, all right, that's the re-intro for everything. We have to like get to that. Gotcha. So everything else yeah. has to, yeah. So it'll start with like kind of like a big brain part. A big brain part? <laughs> yeah. I like love the best that. part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I got some more general questions now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you could tour with any band, past or present, who would it be? That's so hard. I, I, like I wouldn't want to say The Cure because like we take influence from them and people just be like, man, The Cure is way better than that band. <laughs> um so it'd have to be something contrasting, but also like makes sense. That's tough. Past or present. That's yeah, like that's opened up the net cool. so hard. I got to see Stone Roses play at Coachella when they did their first like reunion headline. That would have been cool. There's like a little bit of just because they're so incredible live. Dude, honestly, maybe Blur. Oh, Blur would be so sick. Nice. Okay. Any predictions of what music looks like, say, 10 years from now? Maybe musical trends or business models? Uh, I just think that the marriage of like organic and electronic stuff is so interesting. I feel like they're still like vastly separated for the most part. Like electronic-based music has its own lane and like guitar-based or like typical organic-based music has like a lane. And I feel like the things that are really exciting and interesting are the things that are marriaging the two. So I think there's just going to be attempts to kind of like solidify that. What that looks like, I don't really know, but. I don't know. I feel like as time's going, I feel like more nostalgia is playing in. Like 
all like the emo rap is taking from like old emo riffs of like old pop punk bands or like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so like, I feel like it's going to keep on looking back and reimagining that with like rap. I feel like rap is kind of like that kind of singular artist. I don't know if like the band dynamic is going to be as bomb. I feel like people are really gravitating towards individuals in music right now. Like Billie Eilish or, or like slow tie or any of these like, kind of big names yeah the mega artists you look at any of the award shows it's like yeah it's sort of like individual superstars if it, it is a band it's like a like green day or you know right it's these legacy bands which is so funny i feel like there's a case to be made because a lot of those have so many like writers on them a lot of the time like a lot of those megastar albums have like teams of you know sure. 10 15 writers like it still is a group format so it might just take the right combination of people that are like a hit factory machine to to really counter that, that end up coming up together rather than meeting later, you know? I think Honey could fill that spot. Hey, we'd love to. <laughs> what about, do you think there are any changes like business model wise that might stick after the pandemic's over? Hopefully it's over. I think the like dropping single singles is going to be the, like the format to drop albums is not really, I think it's a too much for people to absorb. So it's like, I feel like everyone's going to be dropping singles that are like their best foot forward and changing vibes and trying to catch this like TikTok wave of like, Oh, this trend's happening right now. I have to add a little bit of that in and like, which is cool. I mean, it, it's cool. I mean, I don't know if the album format is going to be as yeah popular. You can act more quickly with a, with a single. Right. I think it's always a pendulum. Like singles have come into vogue more than albums repeatedly, like through the course of musical history, you know? So it's like, that's just the way the pendulum's going right now. I totally agree. Like, no, I feel like no one wants to sit and consume an album, especially once we're out of lockdown, people are going on the move. Hey, before I forget, speaking of singles, or I don't know if it's singles, but you guys mentioned you have some songs you're releasing soon. Anything else you want to say or release dates? or We can't give a concrete release date yet, but it's going to be some... When does this come out? Uh, Let's see, March sometime. This month. If not, if it hasn't already come out, it'll be in this okay. month. Okay. Yeah. We're going to shoot a video for it next week. Okay, cool. So listeners, check it out. If there were a time machine, do you have any advice for your high school selves? Find Kevin Grimmett. No, I already knew him. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess I would be like, probably release more music because we have like, we have so many songs that are just yeah. in the vault. And like, I look back at them now and I'm like, I can't put that out now after being in like in this band for this long. Like mm. it sounds so immature. So I wish like I would have, or we would have put out more songs that like were of the time because we just have a way bigger catalog of more people to, you know, pick through. And now, yeah, I don't know. That's I, yeah. Just don't be so, so picky. Okay. Don't be precious. Yeah. 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 Allow yourself to, to put things out as you create it. I think that that's kind of how we're looking at things now is like, it's so interesting to be able to catch a glimpse into where an artist is at in the present moment. And I think if we would have allowed ourselves to do that before, there would just be so much more for people to listen to. But now it's like we feel past it because it's not where we're at. So it doesn't right. feel right to release it. But to go back and tell yourself, don't be so precious and just put things out as you do it, I think is uh, that's really solid advice. Great. Yeah. Do you have any strange fan encounters that come to mind? Hmm. 
I feel like people that come to shows and stuff are really cool. It's, I don't know if there's anything like super crazy or weird. Yeah, strange. Um, let me think. Well, once you guys hit the road again, who knows what happens? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. it might be crazy. Pent up craziness. I don't know. I can't even imagine going to like a merch booth now. Yeah. <laughs> it's freaky. Like I, ha- I have to have a hazmat suit or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have a best or worst gig that comes to mind? The worst one is easy for me. Which we one? played a gig in Omaha. We've since been back to this venue, so I'm not going to name the venue, but we we played a show in, in this room that was closed off to like the rest of the venue. And we started to just the sound guy and ended to like maybe two people in the room. Um, it was just real bad, real yeah, bad show. And it was like, I think eight degrees outside when we played. So we had to push in through the snow and out through the snow immediately after our set. It was right. so bad. We call those shows like a humbler because you do it and you're just like, dude, what am I doing? Like yeah. I could be, I could have, I could be going to college right now right. or literally doing anything else. And like, I could just be at home in Los Angeles where it's 75 and sunny, but here I am in Nebraska and it's eight yeah. degrees. <laughs> playing to like, playing to a sound guy who's like, he's bummed. And like the two people there are like not there to see you or just yeah. like happen yeah. to like walk by the venue. Yeah. Well, the the inverse of that would be like the El Rey show we played right before this pandemic hit was unbelievable. Yeah, it like sold out three weeks in advance, and we were like, "This is crazy!" And it was like all our fans who like started from the beginning, and it was cool seeing everyone in in the same room. That's great. Where was that? The El Rey oh, okay. in Los Angeles. Yeah. And then the Nebraska gig, hopefully you guys didn't drive out just for that. It was no, part of a, a, part a bigger of tour, tour that had more uh, hits than misses. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, a, a that was a part of a tour that was really, that was like a harrowing tour just because it was cold and there was crazy circumstance, but that was, uh, that was definitely the low. <laughs> uh, what song gets the biggest reaction when you play live? Televised is like our biggest streaming song right now. And it, I think that has a really good reaction because we like, we were writing it kind of as like a ballad type song with like a pretty part. And then we were like, dude, but we still want to like, you know, like mosh in the chorus or something. So we like added a tempo change and like people all start like going like raging at the chorus. Yeah. So tempo change, anything else that you think explains its appeal? Well, it starts off with like a, like a curious kind of bedroom poppy, like yeah. string line. That's like pretty and everyone goes, Oh really? Like it kind of differs from the rest of our catalog. So it's like cheeky and like kind of like British invasion feeling. And then it goes to like a freaking like, I forget the tempo, like a 20 BPM tempo change. And then just like, it comes out of nowhere. So like anyone who wants that kind of pretty part has it. And then when it gets to the chorus, you're like, okay, now like I can push around and go wild. So it kind of has the best of both worlds in the same song. I also think that lyrically, the way that those parts interplay with each other works to the same advantage because it is like, more sweet and pretty during the verses and then during the chorus it's more harsh and like brutal truths and uh so all of it just works in tandem to be like we're gonna lull you into a false sense of security with this verse and this intro and all these like really pretty things and then the chorus is just a complete 180 and a jump and i feel like people respond to that kind of like disparity within one song because it's not done very often so it sounds like it's conducive to playing live but as well, it's your biggest streaming song, I think you said. Yeah. 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 Um, any other songs that come to mind? We write with live shows. Well, we did before, like pre-pandemic. We we wrote a lot 
of songs with the intention of like, we want this to go over well live. So I think that almost like methodically, we've kind of been like, we know what people respond to when we play and what they kind of like about our songs. And then we try and like backwards engineer things that will play well to audiences in that way. Yeah. It's another song. Probably, probably Vowels is our second yeah. high streaming song. I think that one just did well because it kind of it like reminisces of like that kind of killers era, like that kind of four on the floor chorus. Right. Um, Mr. Bright. That triumphant kind of chorus. chorus with yeah. like a really singable part. Like fist, fist pump in the air vibe where people can just like sing back at you and like kind of epic in that sense. So I think that one did well because of like the nostalgia kind of of it. Yeah. So is that kind of something you might take into consideration? You're talking about thinking of some of the stuff up front, maybe it's, you know, let's try something with four on the floor at a hundred and whatever BPMs or. Right. I mean, we have, we do that with every song, but we don't know really what works. Cause those songs, when we did them, we, we did the same thing we're like doing right now, like thinking about it. And then like, it just happened to work. So sure. we did, we've done that with other ones and like, it just doesn't work, you know? So it's like, we just give it a best guess. Yeah. yeah we, we put them out and like, they like didn't do well for like when we first put them out, we're like, Oh, it didn't work. So like our next thing, like we changed the style and like rethought it. And then that song out of nowhere started like streaming really well. And we're like, Oh, okay. So we did something right two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, Like, okay. You know, yeah. you just don't really know. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Next one. What do you think about Robert Ochoa? Huge fan of Robert. He's from the 805. We love him. What do you think about Robert? He's the best. <laughs> he just came off mute. Okay, he good. Just, just checking. We mute. haven't put him to sleep. My, my ears are burning. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just checking. I'm also a big fan of the Cure. So, you know, yeah. I could have joined that conversation for like two more hours. Oh, we could keep this going. <laughs> yeah. Well, real quick, I'm going to throw out um, Blood Flowers as an album that sort Ooh. of escaped me for a little while, but it definitely grew on me and is super strong. So a couple of years ago, God, what was that? 2017, like, I think in between tours, I drove for Uber for a bit and I picked someone up in the Valley and drove them to Hollywood bowl as the cure was playing and had to drop them off on the side of the road. And I just like turned off my phone and stayed near the Hollywood bowl for a while to listen. And it was the night that they did like majority blood flower songs. And it, pretty unbelievable even from outside the hollywood bowl oh that's cool wow yeah there's a lot of stuff i mean i actually don't remember i'm pretty sure that's maybe mid 90s late 90s but yeah sort of post disintegration i guess or well i can't remember what was after disintegration but there's a lot of gems when they sort of i feel like they've gotten forgotten about the totally. early stuff's always really cool you know but I feel like the stuff that's not supposed to be as cool. There's so many gems in the like around 2000. I don't have exact yeah. dates, but yeah, but no, I think Blood, Flower, Blood Flowers Blood is, Flowers 2000. is 2000. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and the Cure, like the self-titled 2004 album, really good too. The song mm -hmm. called "The End of the World" on there is like yeah. really good. Yeah, so that yeah. that era, there's a lot of stuff I think that that just sort of got. There's left gems over. in there. Dude. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I, I feel like I feel like the production maybe like made it less. I don't know. I feel like if they kept their 80s production or like mixed it with the 90s yeah i feel like they got right up to the edge on wish like there's some great stuff on there obviously like fry i'm in love and like letters to elise and yeah. you know a couple other songs on that but they really like did some 90s stuff on that and then after that i feel like the production went like a little too modern and maybe people fell off of it but yeah i could see that for sure but still good yeah still it, good. it doesn't offend me not at all <laughs> did they have something new coming out have you guys heard that I heard the rumor. You've heard a rumor, Goldie? 
I've heard a rumor they're putting stuff out. Yeah. I just cross my fingers, you know. I don't want it to be bad. Oh, you know. Do it one more time. I think he can. I mean, I saw where did we just see him, Goldie? Rose Bowl? We saw him in Pasadena Pasad- when they did that festival. That was the first time we'd all actually gotten to see them and we went together and it was just like hit fest. You just realize like how great of a singer Robert Smith is. Like yeah. I was like, there's no like he sings so incredible. Like there's no way he can't make something good. How That's good is he? That's at the Rose Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. I was yeah. I, I watched that. That that was quite the set. It was all like getting all so foggy good because yeah. the fog came in over the golf course. And it yeah, was like the Rose Bowl. It was pretty. It was pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool moment. They're playing a forest, and it's just like it's. It was so perfect. It was yeah, incredible. The Cure. If you're listening, I hope you're enjoying this. They're actually big fans of this podcast. Not really. Tell them that uh, contrary to what Kevin said earlier, if they do want to take us out on tour, we're not going to say no. So <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we do it. <laughs> Yeah, you weren't rejecting him when you didn't mention him on no, that question. No, no. Yeah. We don't yeah, we don't even have the option, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, final question. Uh what strings do you guys play? Just curious. Power slinkies, 11s. Boom. Uh yeah, I I dude, I I play the orange bass strings, I think. Is that which the hybrid slinkies? The color. Does that sound right? 45 to 105? Yeah, I think those might be the ones. And I also just bought bass 6 strings from you guys cuz you're the only people that do it. Do you play six string bass or are you talking about like the the guitar bass I, type instrument? The guitar bass okay. type instrument, yeah. which we like the cure used a lot. So I was like, all right. And I saw Blink 182 using it growing up. So I was like, I gotta get one. So we've used that on like everything we've done. Oh, that's it's cool. like crucial. Okay. So yeah, you're yeah. the only people that make the strings. Good to so, hear. Please keep making them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't stop because yeah. Well, we only sold three sets last year. So no, I'm just it's kidding. all to me. It was us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Maybe one more question. What do you guys have planned coming up? I mean, I know it's hard to plan, but we're going to like put out more music. We're going to try to like put out a song a month with a video and content and just like keep up in that aspect because we kind of took a year off to write a bunch of music and we just want to, yeah, what I was echoing earlier, just like just put out more music and don't be so precious with it. We've been stockpiling in preparation. So we have a lot of stuff in the vault that's ready to go. Yeah, we're just going to put out singles. And like, if it works, cool. If it, this one doesn't hit as hard, all good. Another one's coming out next month. Because when you like, we were doing kind of the, all right, let's work this year and then, you know, make an album and then put it out next year. And it's just like, it's just so much relying on that album. And like, it could be the way it was pushed and like, it didn't work because it was the way it was released or like, so we just want to like subscribe to just like putting out cool songs that we like and see what happens and are you guys even are you at the point or are we at the point where you can start booking like in september or is it just you just not even mess with that at this point no no one even knows i mean we technically have holds for the fall i think late october early november but we'll see what happens you know we have them just in case that's a thing but we'll find out Right. Everyone's just guessing. Any kind of booking agent is just like, oh, yeah, let's try for this, see what happens. So they're all kind of filling up slots and then they're just getting canceled and then filling up slots and then canceled. Um, like I saw the weekend book for 2022, like a huge world tour. Mm. So they're just banking on that everything's good by 22. I mean, I hope the end of this year is good to go because we have a tour lined up. We need to start making more venues because once we get the green light, every band on the planet 
is going to be racing to the venues. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's an actual like problem, right? Cause yeah, like we can't get slots for like our favorite venue. Like, Oh shit, we're playing, you know, this venue instead of this. And we're like, Oh man, cause right. it's booked, you know? Yeah. So hmm. we'll Interesting see stuff. Yeah. Can't wait for live shows to come back though. It's one of our favorite things. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Jake and Kevin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. This is awesome. Thanks for tuning in to Striking a Chord, an Ernie Ball podcast. Make sure you're following Honey on social media as they plan to release a steady flow of material. Remember, H-U-N-N-Y. If you'd like to contact us, please email strikingaccord at ernieball.com. Um, real quick, uh, Jake, you're like the first two words you're saying aren't coming through. I don't know if it sounds like that to you guys too. Yeah, it does sound like that. It's like you, you have like an attack knob turned up Goldie. It's like, (laughs) let me see if it's better. If I just use computer audio real quick, hold on one sec. Unless you want to start every sentence with testing one, two, and then go into that seems like pretty (laughs) natural. Is this better? Yeah, it sounds way better. Okay, I'll just use the the MacBook speakers, and if that's an issue, just let me know, and I can try and figure something else out. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah.